0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode number 87 of the Audible Farm Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Corrosive Screen Printing. Corrosive Screen Printing has actually made all of the shirts for Audible Farm. They made all of our shirts and our hoodies, which is really awesome. We just got a new shipment of of shirts in, and uh, the hoodies are starting to sell down, so if you want some, you better hit us up. And if you want your own T-shirts and hoodies, you better hit up Corrosive Screen Printing. Uh, The reason I like corrosive is this. I sent him the logo and I said, hey, alter it this way. I want it to look like this. Do you have these kinds of shirts? What do those feel like? Do you have a darker color? Can I get it in this? And... They helped me through everything, no matter how difficult I made the process for them. They, From step one all the way till finished product, they were there for me, helping me out. And it has been an amazing process. And I wouldn't have shirts if it weren't for them. Uh, it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, I know Corrosive Screen Printing has made shirts for bands in the Iowa area for the last oh five years or so um that's that's a little bit of a guesstimate on the time frame but i know they've been they've been at it for a while and uh they've been recently i know they've been making shirts for people for quite a you know in the band scene for quite a while i know there's a lot of bands that have been hey i got this shirt we we just got it shout out to corrosive so hey if you uh if you're looking for a shirt for your band or maybe just looking for shirts for fun or uh you never know hit them up they can they can print you one shirt, I'm sure that'll cost you a little more, but they can, I can print large orders, small orders, 25 shirts, whatever you want. They can they can make you as many shirts as you want. And I got to say, huge shout out to Corrosive for doing all of the uh, hard work for us and making the shirts so that way we can you know, give you guys some awesome shirts. Uh, man, those t-shirts are soft, too. Uh, huge, huge shout out to, to Corrosive. And not only that, we got to give a huge shout out to our guest this week. Our guest this week is Andrew Chipman. Andrew Chipman is the roaster at Couchtown. He's usually the one sponsoring the podcast. And guess what? This week, we've got a different sponsor. Why? Because Andrew's on the podcast. Andrew's joining me this week. We are talking about all sorts of stuff. Did you know that he plays drums? I never talk about that in the podcast because he's the coffee guy. But guess what? now he's on the podcast. We sat down and we talked and we get to talk about how did he get started playing drums. And, and it, you know, it turns out he comes from a musical family. He's really, really, actually, it's, it's kind of neat. He's just one of those hobbies that took over kind of guys as far as uh, music and and coffee. It's, it's really cool to hear some of the stories that come in here because I've never heard them. And uh, I've interacted with Andrew a decent amount over the last year. And it's, like I said, it's really neat to hear that, um, all the stories about his dad playing music and and him playing in churches and other places—it's it's really really cool. So uh, I I gotta say this episode is gonna be one of my favorites. Uh, Andrew's a great guy. Like I said, I've touched base with him here and there. We kind of met by no, I wouldn't say happenstance because I was looking for a sponsor, but um, you know we got put into touch and then it turned out that we're kind of close to from the same area and and it's it's just really neat. It's really neat. So uh, support local. Check them out. Uh, if, you know, like I said, check out corrosive screen printing. And if you guys have not checked out Couchtown Coffee yet, check them out. We're going to talk about Andrew and his musical endeavors in the upcoming minutes in this podcast, as well as touch base a little bit on that delicious, delicious black gold that I like to call Couchtown Coffee. That's my favorite coffee and andrew has kept me fueled for the last year plus so i gotta say thanks andrew for doing all that and thanks for taking time out of your day to do the podcast and once again i'll give a shout out back to corrosive for sponsoring this week's episode so let's get after it it's episode 87 with andrew chipman it's the audible farm podcast with your host peter stockdale All right, today I'm sitting down with uh, Mr. Chipman, Andrew Chipman that is, and you guys might have heard this name before on the podcast. Andrew, you are the coffee roaster that supplies the masses.
1: Yes, I am. (laughs) Yes, uh,
0: you are the roaster over at Couchtown, and that's actually how I got in touch with you originally. I was looking for a sponsor, and... uh, I needed some coffee, so I hit up some coffee people, and and you were you were the one, you were the one,
1: <laughs> out of literally about a
0: dozen people I contacted, you were the one. So that's awesome. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, I d- crazy thing when you reached out, I was like, wait, who is this guy? Does like at first I was like, am I getting scammed here? Or something and then <laughs> did a little looking around at your profile and stuff, and
0: ooh, uh, Facebook you know, creeping me. Some,
1: some, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, that was super cool, and it's been fun to, to kind of be a part of it.
0: Yeah, man. I, I mean, like I got to say, I really appreciate the fact that uh, – I mean, I'm like a local podcast, and, I mean, it's not like we're going to get too many sponsors on the podcast, but it helps, you know, give an air of officialness. And not only that, but it's for a product that I severely enjoy. I drink coffee every day, and honestly, yours is the best. I've I've said it before on the podcast, in the that. intro, and the outro, but you know, very seriously, <laughs> it's it's my favorite coffee. As a matter of fact, I uh, just made an order with you, and uh, I I never order in time, so there's always like a lapse of a few days between couch town batches that I get, so I'm always like <laughs> refining my palate with the cheapest, grossest coffee I can find at the store, just to remind me how good town is.
2: <laughs>
0: oh man! Yes. And I don't remember That's who. Awesome. I don't remember who put us in touch, but the more I got to know you, I've, I realized you yourself are a musician as well. Yes. Yeah. Um. We were talking about how you play drums, and uh, how'd you get started on the drums?
1: Well, um. I actually got started on the trumpet and cool. Um, yeah. So I started playing trumpet. Oh, I think I was in sixth grade or seventh grade. All right. Um, you know, I wanted to get into the band. Some of my best friends were in the, in the school band and, um, looked like they were always having fun when they went to practice and all that. And so I wanted to be a part of the fun and talk to the instructor and, I kind of wanted to be in the drum section, the percussion section. And he's like, well, you got to read music. I'm like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I haven't taken any piano lessons or anything. So he's like, well, we can do some summer lessons on the trumpet and get you started there. So, um, and I actually took the trumpet pretty quickly and enjoyed it. So I just kind of stuck with that. Um, however, so my dad is a, uh, is a musician has played drums, guitar, bass, you know, piano, done lead vocals and all that. Um, grew up in the seventies. So he had a, uh, he had a lot of exposure to the to the music scene of that day. Yeah. Um, and so whenever he was in music stores, I'd go with and I was always drawn to the drums. Um, so one day we were in Minneapolis and uh, I think it was a guitar center up there. So we were visiting my sister went to the guitar center with him and I forget how the conversation went, but somehow I talked him into getting me a, a drum set. <laughs> oh, whoa. Coolest dad <laughs> uh, ever. So yeah, we went home with, uh, yeah, seriously. So yeah, we went home with, uh, uh, what was it? Pearl forum series, like the, the entry level. Yeah. And honestly, it's, it's a great kit and I've, I still got it. Um, and that was my first drum set.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's actually a really fun story that, uh, I mean, it seemed like it was predestined having a dad that was um, so busy in the music scene growing up that you would probably end up playing something that was, you know, band-related, quote-unquote. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, like... What is it that drew you to the drums, do you think? Was it, uh, were you like always banging on pots and pans when you were a kid, or did you see your dad playing them (laughs) once and you were just like, this is awesome, I gotta try this, or were you watching like Um, videos of some guy drumming online?
1: I think probably my first introduction to them was when I was a very young boy, I don't know, probably five or six, maybe a little older, um we had some relatives in Manson, Iowa and All I would right. go and visit them. Uh, it was my aunt. So my dad's sister, um, and her, her son lived there. So I, um, I would go down and visit them. Her son's quite a bit older than me and
2: mm-hmm. he
1: had a, a drum kit in his room. And so he wasn't around a lot, but she would let me go into his room and play on those drums every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I distinctly remember like, one day I was going kind of berserk in there and she came in and was like, you need to stop playing. And she was being like super nice about it. she's like, I, I got a headache. You, you need to stop. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think I, I was hooked at that point, but um, never really got into it until yeah, middle school or, or thereabout.
0: So this first drum set you got then was this like uh, you got a drum set and you'd never really sat behind one and practiced on one yet then?
1: Right. Oh, whoa! Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So I had literally zero knowledge of you know how to how to play. Um, And the other thing I think that kind of influenced me was um, my brother-in-laws. They were both brothers. My so my sisters married brothers. Yes. And one of them. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of crazy. Um, So one of them was actually a really good drummer. Um, did a lot in, you know, high school and that. And so when he was dating my sister, um, or they were, you know, in the same friend group, I kind of knew him from, you know, family gatherings and all that kind of thing and, Mm -hmm. um, watched him play and he did like a, he wrote a drum solo for his like senior project and played that at a, at a high school concert. Oh, that's cool. I don't know. It just really influenced me and, um, So when I got my my first kit, he was one of the first people to kind of show me around the kit and give me some pointers on on where to start. That's really cool. So that's, I mean, that's
0: not too much unlike my story. Like my sister, when I was growing up, was dating a guy that played guitar and I was like, dude, this is so cool. And and he kind (laughs) of, you know, helped me out along my way, helped me, you know, pick out my first instrument and or, you know, this is how you could play this or this is how you play that or... I mean, I remember him showing me how to play, like, uh, Detroit Rock City once on the guitar. And I was right. like, oh, that's so cool, you know? <laughs> and, you know, it's just one of those things, I think, when you're growing up, you're influenced by the people around you so much. And I, I wonder if that's why so Absolutely. many people like us get into music or or what exactly it is. But, uh, I mean, that's I think that's something else a lot of musicians forget is how much influence they may or may not have on people around them that they don't even know that they have just on the fact that they can do this cool right. thing, you know? right so how did you go from uh like not knowing anything to knowing something did you first play like uh acdc or what kind of stuff did you play or did did your dad play with you or how did that all go down
1: um sort of organically started to play with him um so he had when i when i got the kit he had just started back into um writing and recording again Mm -hmm. um, which he hadn't done in I don't know, probably 25 or 30 years at that point. So, all
2: right.
1: you know, he'd been out of it for a while. And um so there wasn't a ton of like us playing together at that point. But um, my brother-in-law, you know, well, both of them actually, this is the the era of LimeWire and BearShare and all that, right? So yep, they had yep. massive libraries of, you know, Metallica and um, I don't know, just a bunch of other sort of approachable, uh, songs mm-hmm. for, for drums. And, um, so yeah, I kind of learned by listening and honestly, Ben, uh, my brother-in-law had a lot of pointers on just, you know, how, to, how to pick up on songs and, um, start to learn them. So that's kind of what I did. I just started listening really close and, um, trying to learn that way. I, I did a lot of messing around with friends too. They would come by and, you know, we kind of jam a little bit, and it probably sounded like trash, but, you know, we were all, we were all learning, so um, it was a ton of fun.
0: Yeah, man, I mean, the first, I, I still remember some of the first times I ever played with other people, and it's like, everybody go home and learn this song, we're going to get together, we're going to try and play it, and you, even if it doesn't sound the best, you're like, this is awesome, you know, it, <laughs> it, it feeds the soul in such a weird way, it's like, right. this. this is definitely what I'm going to keep doing, you know, and. Um, like when did you end up playing, like, have you ever played any shows or did you guys end up playing any like talent shows in high school or was it all after high school? Oh,
1: well, we came close. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so I, I started playing pretty regularly with, um, a couple of friends and we sort of formed a, a band. We didn't really have a name or anything like that. And we started to try to like write original material and none of us were very well trained in, in any of that. So it didn't go very far. Um, and then later in high school, uh, there was an opportunity for sort of a talent show type of thing. And we were also going to play at like a graduation party. Um, and so we actually put together a pretty solid set list of some Foo fighter songs, uh, some jet songs, incubus songs, um, some Weezer songs, just a bunch of stuff that was pretty, like I said, sort of approachable to play and, Mm -hmm. um, appealed to a lot of our generation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: And, uh, we, we practiced for, for quite a bit in my dad's shed (laughs) and it was actually, it's, it's a ton of fun. Um, thinking back to those times, you know, we were probably kind of frustrated at each other at times, but um, that sort of rehearsal was actually all we got to do together, you know, cause, oh. uh, it came time to actually do a dress rehearsal and a couple of us were just not comfortable with the songs yet. And so yeah. it kind of all fell apart and, um, we didn't end up playing, but, uh, it was still a, a good memory to look back on at least.
0: Yeah, uh, that's, that's crazy, because your story kind of parallels mine. Like, uh, the first time I, I ever played a show, it was just a bunch of us, we got together, we were like, uh, we're going to play this song, and uh, the song we decided to play that we got cleared by the uh, the school people to, to play, uh, the closer we got to showtime, it was like, there's no way we're going to be able to play this song, so let's play a different song. So we played a different song, one that wasn't even on the bill. Uh, Fortunately, it worked out for everyone because there wasn't, you know, we were all young and we were, um, well. you know, kept our heads about us and didn't play anything out, sure. outrageous, you know. But I think we wanted to play like in this diary and instead we played swing, swing. I mean, it's all just like pop punk stuff anyways. But uh, sure. Uh I've told this story before on the podcast. Like you can hear uh the classmate like our classmates like laughing at us louder than you can hear us playing in some of the videos. <laughs> oh, no. It wasn't horrible, but it was also like wasn't the greatest thing ever. And but sure. I mean that's it's weird that like I feel like everyone's kind of got the same story where it's just the cold feet kinda of get to you a little bit.
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean I mean it, it happens. It's it's tough yep. to get over. I mean, I played in high school and stuff like that, and it took me ten years worth of having cold feet to go out and play in public to anyone that wasn't a, you know, a classmate of mine. So, and, uh, I don't know, it's not like it would have gotten any worse. People weren't going to laugh at me in public like they would have at school because school is notoriously tougher to play in front of those people and and impress people, (laughs) you know, but absolutely. That's pretty crazy. So like, uh, the band doesn't end up playing in high school. Do you guys like, uh, break up this band and do something else or.
1: Yeah. We never really got back together except for, um, in college, um, in, in summers, every once in a while we would just kind of reunite and it was more of like a, you know, friends getting together and jamming
2: mm-hmm.
1: with no no plans on, on playing a show or anything. Um, and a couple of us had gotten actually really good um, during the break, <laughs> if you want to call it a break. We were never really <laughs> yeah. a, uh, an actual band. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a couple of us had, had gotten really good. Um, I... I don't know that I would include myself in that, but it was fun to kind of come back together. And, you know, there was a little more structure. It was a little easier to just kind of jam on some songs. And there wasn't a lot of um, like trying to learn it on the fly, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gosh. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I feel that, too. I mean, there's so many solos where it's like, I learned three quarters of this. I'll just guess the rest of it. And then it doesn't (laughs) sound it doesn't sound good. Um, but that was me in high school though, like I mean, it took me a while to get comfortable with my instrument, as it does with everybody but uh like how did how did you end up getting better at at the drums then Did you end up taking lessons from somebody eventually or
1: yeah actually, so um and I forget at what stage this was. I think I might have still been in high school um but I would actually drive back and forth once a week to um Dean Davis's house in Fort Dodge. And, um, he would, he would try to, to refine my craft. Um, we knew Dean through my dad actually, um, knew Dean from, you know, way back in the day. Um, I guess, I think they had played a couple of shows together. Like my dad's band opened for, for Dean's band. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and Dean's band, um, back then was, was huge, um, in the Midwest. So dad had always kind of looked up to him and, Um, they had stayed in touch over the years and um, dad knew a lot of those guys in the in the Fort Dodge area music scene so Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, you know found out that Dean was giving lessons and that he had an opening so um, yeah Dean taught me a lot and I kind of came to him very rough around the edges yeah. Um, because a lot of what I was doing to learn was just like sitting in my basement and trying out different beats and rhythms and, and things you know trying to do things that were interesting to me, but nothing really, um, structured as far as learning. So Mm -hmm. it was really cool to, to have some structure from Dean. And, um, I would say I learned a lot from him. We didn't do a ton of lessons together. Um, just timing wise, you know, I was on my way to college and didn't have any plans to, to make a career of it, but, um, it was still a lot of fun to learn from him.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure Dean's still giving drum lessons in some capacity, though. If if I'm not mistaken, Is he? Yeah, I think I think I remember hearing somebody me. saying that they were taking lessons from him every now and then, like once a month or something like that. to uh, Kind of you know help polish him off a little bit, but uh, that's, absolutely, that's crazy. I remember the first time I saw Dean play. Um, you know, he's he's doing the classic thing where he's keeping the beat with uh, the snare and the kick, but then he flip flopped him. And it was backwards for a little bit. And then he like effortlessly went back to the way it, you know, it should be. And for a second, you're like, this guy's playing on the wrong beat. And then you're like, oh no, what this guy did was brilliant. You know, it's, (laughs) it is insanity how good he is at drums without, you know, he's not like a pyrotechnician, 40 piece drum set, you know, three minute fill kind of a guy. But uh, it's, he's so. Deceptively
1: smooth. Yes.
0: He's so tight and just, it's, it's crazy. I, I I never got to play with him, but I've I've been to a couple jam nights and saw him play, and it was it was wowing to say the least. Um, right. I mean, I, he's come up a few times in the podcast. Uh, I've I've touched bass bass with him a couple times. Kind of tough to track down, um, but uh, I'm hoping to get Dean on the podcast sometime eventually.
1: That would be that would be interesting. He's got a lot a uh, lot to share. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, um, it, he actually played on one of my dad's albums as well. He. Oh, um, cool. Came up to Clarion and and sat down behind the kit, and of course I was blown away. I'm like, "Jeez, this guy makes it look effortless." You know, he just yeah, like he came in and nailed it in a couple of takes, and was like, "Okay, you got what you got," and, <laughs> and he head back for so
2: Dash. You know, yeah, and
0: that's yeah. the craziest part is he doesn't look like he's working at all to make all of the sound he's making. Right. Yeah, it's it's wild, yeah. and I mean, D- Dean's such a great guy. He's so good at playing instruments. Uh, the the drums he's been. Uh, he's he's been a staple around the area. It feels like every musician around here here knows Dean at least in some form or another in Northern Iowa. So I mean, it's kind sure. of kind of crazy. It's it's crazy to know that your guys' paths have crossed and uh, how organically like uh, the music scene is is very large but very small as well. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess I never realized it, but uh, I mean, I didn't even meet you organically. I think somebody that was listening to my podcast suggested. Us to was meet it, up. Yeah. And I, I, was should, it
1: my cousin Brad?
0: I think so. I'd have to look back. It's in one of the old posts I had made on on Facebook where I was looking for coffee places around Iowa and somebody suggested you. But yeah, I think it was your cousin, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Brad. Yeah. He's um guitar player, um, lived in the Des Moines area for, for quite a while. I think he's out in LA now. Oh, cool. Um, if I'm not mistaken, unless he's moved back. But uh, yeah great guy man excellent guitar player
0: that's wild so you take some drums from dean then what yeah. i mean you were talking um dean had recorded an album with your dad and i know that you have been on an album with your dad as well um how, yes. how far is the timescape between you and dean and you and your dad recording an album
1: um it was actually right around the same time oh, um nice so yeah my dad's first album i only played on a couple of songs i think I, most of it was like sequenced drums on a keyboard, um, and then a couple of live tracks. We just didn't have a ton of equipment to record live drums at the time. so um, any any amount of live drums was just a huge undertaking for us at that point. So we recorded a couple of songs that way. Um obviously, you know, Dad wanted to try and um, make it a more of a friends and family thing. So he pulled in you know a couple of other friends. To help out on the album which which made it a really um kind of a fun thing for us to have you know it's not not something that would that we would you know make a huge uh sale out of but it's you know it's um it was a lot of fun and um my dad has always said you know it's something that um he can pass down to to me and um, my sisters, and then of course our kids. As you know, here's the old man playing on <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. on an album, and um, something that they can kind of treasure. Um, but so yeah, that first album kind of turned into dad really digging into that craft and um, refining it, and you know getting some more equipment to re- record live drums and Um, so we ended up doing a lot more of that over the next few albums um, to the point where um, the last couple have been mostly live drums and um, it's been a ton of fun so um, in those cases it was was mostly me behind the kit and that span is probably 10-15 years um, between that that first album and when we've done the the fully live drum um, recordings oh that's crazy cool I,
0: I, uh, I've listened to the album Trixie that you were on. Um, that would have been yes. Well, maybe a few years ago. It looks like that was recorded. I never guess. I really thought about doing this. I just pulled it up online, and that's available to stream online. Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And it looks like your dad's got a couple of albums that he's recorded that are online to stream. Um, were you? Uh, I got three albums here. I've found. Uh, we got Best Years. That was in 2002. Were you on that one? Mm, i maybe maybe
1: <laughs> i I should have done my own research on my own stuff
0: uh oh, dude um, i think totally i was cool.
1: that was one of the early ones so i would have been on it maybe on one or two songs all right um, otherwise but, he had yeah. gold
0: band surprise that was in 2007
1: yep yep same same kind of deal there maybe a few more songs on that one F- um, and then Trixie was mostly me.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think there's even a picture of you on the back album jacket on on Trixie. Yes. Nice. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, dude, this is super cool. I mean, I I knew your dad was a musician and I knew he had some roots in the music scene uh, dating back to you know a while, but I didn't know that he was like cutting this many of his own albums and putting them out. It's
1: that's really awesome, man. More to come. More, more to come. We're more, um, oh snap. That's yes. cool. <laughs> <laughs> slowly slowly working on them. Um, you know, life has gotten a lot busier for me. Um so it's just a lot harder to get back home and have enough time to like learn a song, lay it down and refine it. Um but we're we're working on some. So That's um, awesome. More to come on that.
0: Uh does your dad write most of the stuff or do you guys kind of collaborate together on it or
1: Um so he writes everything. Every once in a while, I'll, you know, share some creative ideas on the on the drum tracks, but usually uh, he comes into it with a pretty good idea of what he wants on the drums. And in fact, a lot of times he'll lay down a scratch track with um, like a drum sequencer. He's got uh, what's it called, like uh, rhythm, or it's some software in Pro Tools. Um, right. it's actually really cool you can kind of lay lay a drum track down it sounds really close to live drums so yeah. kind of terrifying for guys like me that you know like to play drums yeah. <laughs> but uh oh man. But it's also very cool you know it's a tool for for guys like my dad um that he's essentially doing everything himself so
2: mm-hmm.
1: um you know if he wants to lay down uh, a track with that more power to him Um, but yeah, usually he comes in with a a pretty good idea and then we just kind of sit down and, um, try a few things out together and then land on something that, that he likes, which is kind of the most important thing. Um, I'm there as, as just a worker bee in those cases. So, um, land on something and then refine it, make it solid, lay down a few tracks and, or uh, a few takes and then pick one we like.
0: That's awesome. I mean, that's, that's really cool. I, does i I do have to ask you, it looks like your dad plays all sorts of instruments on the one album cover he's holding t- two guitars and a bass <laughs> uh, all on <in> one album <laughs> yes. cover do you have do you have any desire to learn anything other than drums or do you do you secretly play guitar and you're not telling anyone <laughs>
1: um so define play guitar i mean yes i can I can pick around uh a few chords um but but nothing to the point where I would be comfortable playing on an album. Um, I picked it up when we had my first child, my son, and um, started to learn a little bit just because um, I was spending a lot of time at home with him and thought it'd be cool to, you know, learn to play. Yeah. <laughs> be a, be like my dad, you know, playing guitar. and um, I have very fond memories growing up of uh, my dad playing acoustic, just sort of, for the whole family we would just sit around and listen to him play and he'd sing various songs blackbird was our our favorite favorite request um that was uh that was one he always used to play awesome. so yeah i I picked up a little bit but yeah not a ton (laughs) drums has always been kind of my my uh main instrument there that's cool
0: i mean i i I, lo- I think that a lot of people want to try their best to be like a multi-instrumentalist in some fashion. And, uh, I mean, just testing the waters on another instrument. Uh, I mean, I can, I can play the drums, but I can't play anything better than like an ACDC rock beat, you know, but like, but like <laughs> right? if somebody's over here jamming out, I can be like, Hey, I'll hop on the drums and, and at least give you something, you know? So, sure. so I can play them a little bit, but it's probably like the same concept for you with you know with the guitar like you could probably play along with people you're probably underselling yourself but
1: uh, <laughs> you, you <never> uh know. <laughs> it's been years honestly since i picked up a guitar Ooh. um so so yeah i i i don't know that i would be of much help
0: <laughs> oh man well you, you picked the perfect time to start learning like who has more free time than when you first have a kid pause not right. you know like right.
2: <laughs> but you did have a yeah. point I mean
0: you're gonna spend a lot of time at home uh, you know watching the kid and the kids sleeping 47 hours a day anyways so right um, but you know that's that's something yeah. that's something else that's super cool is like just finding out that uh I mean I feel like there's a lot of people that know a lot of stuff at least in the music area like everyone has kind of dabbled a little bit in a little bit of everything just because why not Right. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like, uh, like, I grew up and my family was not musical. Like, um, I mean, my mom played the flute in high school, like, you know, mm-hmm. when she was in high school, um, ages ago, or whatever it was, you know, it was, it was like seven years ago, because my mom's super young and and still awesome. Um, no, I. Uh, but she played flute, and other than that, like nobody really played anything. And my sister grew up playing piano, and that was always something. I was like, man, my sister like can play all sorts of crazy stuff on the piano. You know, she's like in third grade yes. playing the Entertainer and all this other nonsense. And it was like, well, how do you do that? And I'm still not good at piano. Um, I can use the piano. Same. I can use it to like look at it and be like these are the notes and this is what this like if you played in this this would be the key but as far as actually proficiently playing the instrument I am absolutely horrible.
1: That's one thing I forgot to mention. Like the rest of my family is fairly musical. At least my immediately or immediate family, um both my sisters were excellent at piano. Um my oldest sister kind of gave up on it. Um I shouldn't say gave up on it. She just focused on other things right Mm -hmm. um and uh sarah the the next oldest actually did you know concert piano and all kinds of um like contests and things she was also an excellent uh percussionist and vocalist like she was a all-stater and all that kind of thing so um i i looked up to them you know growing up and seeing them succeed and and just do really well in their various instruments and um you know vocals and all that Um, it was fun to fun to watch so I always felt like I had big shoes to fill there too my mom is is an excellent vocalist as well
0: oh cool I was gonna ask like you can't leave your mom out of this I bet she's got something going on too you know she does yep that's awesome I mean I'm I'm not assuming you guys were like the Von Trapp family orchestra or anything like
1: that but like uh... (laughs) no 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 far from it um in fact, most of the singing my mom would do was was in church. But um, I have a good good memories of uh, you know hearing sitting next to her and hearing her sing and being like, man, that's that's cool. I wish I could sing like that. <laughs>
0: man, I, that's something I think a lot of people take for granted as well. Like my parents never sang like ever at anything like <laughs> you know not even a little bit. And uh, I mean, that's something I never grew up. I never grew up like even realizing that it was possible to enjoy music this much because, you know, like my parents. They're, they quit buying stuff when they quit making records, you know, because they were like, I'm not, buying, yeah. I'm not buying another format. And then CDs came out and they're like, what a <laughs> ripoff, you know. And, and I was just kind of like, well, it's awesome. You know, and it's just the way that people are, you know, and it's sure. it, it's one of those things I think about, like uh, having a family that is musical and not scared to show it, uh, at least to not around each, you know, not scared around each other to like sing or to play something or, or whatever. That's pretty cool. You know, I mean, not everybody has that, Available to them, you know. Some people want to get into music, and they've got to buddy up with somebody else or hit up, you know, hit up a family like yours that everybody plays something, and then swing over there and and bother them, bother them while they're trying yeah. to do something. <laughs> you know,
1: I never thought of it that way, but yeah, I mean, I had one of my best friends growing up, Jake. Um, you know, his parents, I don't think were that into music, um, or at least whenever I was around them, that didn't seem to be, and. Um, he was super into guitar and so he would always come over and be like hey can I jam with you (laughs) so Mm -hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah I mean uh,
0: some of that is like are your parents going to be accepting of that too I I, I imagine as a parent there's nothing more terrifying than one of your children being like we started a band can we practice in the garage (laughs) like that has gotta be that has gotta be the worst thing ever to hear as a
1: parent his parents were very cool about most things so He didn't have a lot of that to deal with, but um, I certainly get where you're coming from. I think there was a couple other friends of mine that were, their parents were more like, "Yeah, that's fine, but you're gonna have to get a real job when you get out of when you get out of high school or whatever." (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I totally get that too. There's, I mean, it's crazy to think that there are still musicians that can function in today's age that are like 100% of their mu- money is coming off of music. Um, a lot of them, you know, right. you have to diversify where they're giving lessons and then they work in a music shop and then they're also playing in a band. So everything is, like literally everything revolves around music all day and night for these people. But, uh, I mean, it's it, it's sad to say that like in today's day and age, it's almost impossible to make a decent living off of just playing music. And that's unfortunate.
1: It is. I mean, it's like... It's like winning the lottery to to make a, a decent living off of it without having to work your butt off. Um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah,
0: I mean, even then, I'm assuming that like there's still a, a large amount of work that's involved that we're short selling, you know, because it's not like
1: oh yeah, it's sure. not
0: like it's just like oh magic. You're good and and now you're <laughs> amazing at an instrument that too, and it, you know, so there's work that's involved, and but it is kind of kind of sucks, you know. I did see an article not too long ago though that. um sales from independent musicians were actually very close to rivaling sales from, um, like industry musicians. So like, uh, if they totaled up all of the independent music sales that were coming from labels that weren't major labels, it was pretty close to the total of major label sales. So that's pretty cool. But you also there gotta, is. you also gotta think like there's, you know, nine artists signed to the biggest record labels and there's 4 million bands, you know, in Iowa right. alone, that are included in that total um, of not right. major. So, I mean, there's a little bit of discrepancy there as far as an unbalance and where the money goes. Is like, a, is this ever something you thought you would want to try was making music for a living? Or were you like, all right, I'm going to go to college and do this instead and always have this as <laughs> like a hobby?
1: Um, I think it was always going to be a hobby for me. Um, certainly, like every you know teenage boy... That, that picks up an instrument, I, I probably had dreams of, like, being discovered or whatever. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, oh, hitting yeah. In the road or, you know, whatever. Um, but I think in the back of my mind, I was kind of like, well, you know, if, if worse comes to worse, I'll, you know, go to college and, and do the whole IT thing, and mm-hmm. this will be an awesome hobby. Um, I got a little taste of, you know, kind of how fun or maybe not fun it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because talking about how much work it is like, that's a, that's a thing, <laughs> you yeah. know, there's, there's a lot of work involved. And um, so kind of going back to um, when did we, when did I play a show? The only shows I've actually played were um, with my dad um, that I can think of, unless you count um, I, I drum for the church. So it's, it's not really a show, but certainly yeah. a production.
0: That's where I actually um, cut my chops was at a church. So yes, yes, absolutely. I, I say so, that to anyone, if you're first learning an instrument, a great place to learn it. Is at a church?
1: Oh man. And I'll get to some of the tools they have there that just, um, I don't know. I love playing there. Um, cause it kind of makes it easy <laughs> at least from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but I pay, I played, um, at the rock and roll hall of fame in, um, Okaboji. that's awesome Um, that is super cool so that was a ton of fun we had a ton of rehearsal leading up to that though and so it was it was hard work you know we had a we had a short set because we were one of um many bands being inducted i say we i wasn't obviously being inducted um the the drummer for the band uh it was fifth generation was the band being inducted all right so Um, it's a couple of my dad's best buds from, um, kind of the Manson Glidden, uh, area Mm -hmm. as well as Iowa city and, and that. So, um, you know, guys, he had kind of grown up in the uh, music industry with, and they needed some help in the guitar area and the drums. So, um, we, we came to help out and then, um, let's see what else uh, one of his buddies plays like a, a big show every year for, um, uh, like a Christmas show <laughs> in the quad cities. All right. Um, so I played with them a couple of times oh, and, cool! and that was fun, but yeah, all of those things like these one-off, you know, little, little shows were a ton of fun, but like leading up to that, there was so much time and an effort put into rehearsal and learning all these songs and, um, so it gave me a taste of like, yeah, the adrenaline of like actually playing the show. And if it comes off right, then it's like super fun and um, really rewarding. But um, if if not, then you've put in all this work for, you know, a dead audience. <laughs> yeah, pretty <laughs> so. much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's also very tough playing a one-off show. Um, it's a lot to ask somebody to say like, hey, sit down in your own time and learn all this stuff and then join up with us every week for the next five or six weeks and then we'll hammer all this stuff out and then right. it, it's got to sound good. I've played a couple, right. played a couple of those too. It's, uh, it's more work than actually being in a band and staying tight with a band. Like as I I'm, would assume so a hundred percent, honestly, like, cause you can go an hour a week with a band and almost not even practice at home and, and be all right. Um, it's possible, but, um, I guess it depends on how intricate the band is, but like, I, I I don't know I I spent so much time practicing for one-off shows by myself. It's I spend more time doing that uh, in the last couple of years than than time I've spent actually like trying to play the shows I normally play on like you know every other weekend with like three finger Betty or whatever. But it's uh, right. it's it's crazy. Like I've played uh, the Rock and Picnic one year. I put together uh, a little mini band just for one show, and it was that was plenty hard enough just to do just to do that. And it's not like it's impossible, but like you said, there's a lot of time involved. You gotta get used to other musicians you're not used to playing with. Everyone's kinda you know, like the bassist and you gotta learn how to sync together and then everyone's gotta get, you know, line up their fills with the drum fills right. and it takes a lot of work. Yep. It's that's also crazy you played the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's uh I know. <laughs> that's like one of those secret dreams of every musician.
1: That was a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, they had uh, a pretty good turnout, and um, so the keyboard player was kind of the the lead of that band. And we had started with um, the set was supposed to start with this really syncopated beat, and mm-hmm. um, I had practiced it, so I had it pretty well down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But he wanted to use the the um, like the sequencing and the keyboard to to play it through the PA. And, um, I I forget the name of the song anyway, it's like this really sync syncopated beat. Um, the vocalists are clapping over it and then they're singing this really tight harmony over it. Um, really cool when it comes off, you know, exactly right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And his, his keyboard died. Oh no. So yeah. And we're like on stage, like they're ready for us to start. So he swears (laughs) uh, and he turns around to me and he's like, Hey, uh, can you do that? And I'm like, yep, let's go. And so we just tore into it and it worked. Uh, Oh, cool. And so that was, that made it all the much more fun, you know, but, um, yeah, how lucky was I to be able to kind of be a part of that moment and certainly something I'll look back on for the rest of my life as a, as a truly, uh, awesome moment, um, completely lucked
0: out there well i don't know if it's lucked out but i mean you gotta attribute some of that to skill but i mean that's that's some of what it is like when you're under pressure can you perform
2: yeah yeah i mean like
0: true um i was listening to a podcast the other day and they were saying that golf is the hardest sport because it's like a really slow meltdown that this person can have (laughs) you know over the last like five or six holes when the pressure's on and and you just, I can understand that. And you just have to take it while you like walk a mile, and everyone's staring at you, and and you're just sucking. And that's kind of what it's like on the stage if you're if you're like on the fly, and you're like, all right, here we go. Let's see if this works. And if it doesn't work, it's usually a slow death. You know, it's right. It's just like, oh, now I, yes. I have the whole song still to go. Oh man. <laughs> and
1: I've been on the other side of that. Um, <laughs> I think so, we all have. <laughs> I and mean, I play at church, mm-hmm. so. I play at the uh, Lutheran Church of Hope in Ankeny. Oh, cool. Um, which, if you're familiar with it, they have a pretty good turnout every Sunday. Um, and, honestly, every Saturday night, too. And so, it's it's kind of a big audience to mm-hmm. play to. It's kind of nerve-wracking. Um, and I remember that first show, or not show, the first uh, service I played, I was like, I was sweating bullets. Because <laughs> um, I hadn't played you know, live for years. Um, I had had, you know, plenty of time to rehearse, but it's still, we only played together as a band twice. We rehearsed the songs really, really twice all the way through. So like we're getting up there uh, and it's live. We're ready to go. And I'm just, yeah, a ball of nerves. Oof! And I dropped the sticks twice. Oh no. (laughs) While you're playing? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just completely like in the middle of a, uh, like, it wasn't like a drum break. Um, so, yeah. Oh, you know, man. It was bad. And my parents are sitting in the front row and my wife and kids. And I'm just like, oh, this is, this cannot be any worse. And then it <laughs> happened again. <laughs> that's good that you can laugh uh, about but it. But anyway, now, it's been though. fun since then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. And honestly, you know, the that's kind of a, it's a different setting, right? Um, people are pretty gracious there. Yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. by nature. So, yeah.
0: I mean, uh, people are yeah. forgiving at a church. Go figure, you know?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: Right. <laughs> no, but it was, it was easily one of the most fun I ever had was playing at a church because that was, it, it was like that weird shield of like, people aren't going to be like judgmental of me here or my playing abilities. Cause even if people know I'm right. just learning, they're like, oh, well, go for it. You know, I'm not up there doing it, you know? And people are pretty, Pretty willing to let a lot of things slide. Like I remember, like I don't know, we we played in like some youth style services and things like that when I would play, and it's like, sure. all right, I'm busting out distortion on this song, and it's like, does this <laughs> does distortion really fit in any church song? No, but you know, they'll, they'll let it go, and uh, yeah, it happens. And uh, I gosh, I I still recommend to everybody that has the ability to play at a church, go for it. It's it's tons of fun. It also kind of taught me how to like play on the fly because. Uh, I grew up going to a Baptist church, so a Baptist church, it's like, well, all right, let's sing the first verse, and then let's sing the chorus, and then this person, oh, hey, let's sing the chorus again. That sounded good, so you sing the chorus again, then you sing the second verse, and then you sing <laughs> the chorus, yes. and then it's like, well, let's sing the first verse again. Let's really let them hear, it, you know. And so you get, you're always like on the fly, like waiting for the person to be like, are oh, we going to here? And you have to change, and know exactly when and where you're going to so change. So true.
1: So, and that was one of the things that intimidated me the most. Um, because I had been going to this church for a few years, so I knew that they did stuff like that, and um, they would just like call an audible and say, "All right, um, we're gonna, do, you know, reprise whatever," and then the band would just like pick up and go.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I was thinking to myself, watching that, like, well, I'm glad I'm not up there because I wouldn't be able to follow that for anything." Um, but you know, you do kind of learn how to to keep up with that stuff, and a lot of it was just like. Me studying the songs, I think that helped me get more comfortable, like with where to pick up and and mm-hmm. all that. But yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, just like anything else, it gets gets easier the more you do it, I guess. But uh, sure. I mean, that should be a given. But at the same rate, I feel like that's a common thing that comes in here. Like nobody ever gets good not practicing. Uh, that's been like the common point that I've been made in every podcast. How'd you get good at this? Well, I practiced a bunch and it's like, oh, okay. So you yes, can't, can't, just so sit at home, can't just sit at home and eat Cheetos and expect to get really good. So how do, <laughs> how do you go from being a drummer guy to being a coffee guy? I got to ask you that.
1: Uh, um, well, you just have to have an insatiable appetite for learning stuff and then um, accidentally come across coffee roasting. That's kind of how it started. <laughs> I, I don't know. I started drinking coffee, um, kind of after college and it was crap and I drank it for the caffeine only. Like I was just drinking swill.
2: Yes.
0: Um, yes. and,
1: and I kept like looking for ways to make it taste better without really educating myself. Mm-hmm. And then, um, one of my friends in Iowa city was like, well, why don't you try roasting your, your own coffee? Like it's so much easier to get a, a good tasting cup of coffee. If you roast your own, you brew your own and all that. I'm like, uh, okay. Um, and I, I was kind of like, I don't know, disbelieving. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, but then finally he convinced me, he's like, just go to a local coffee shop, uh, that roasts their own. And see if they'll sell you a pound of their green beans and then take that home, put it over a campfire in a cast iron skillet and stir it until you hear, uh, two sets of cracks essentially. And, um, until it looks right. And so I did and it tasted amazing. I'm like, okay, I'm hooked.
0: Okay. You said, you Um, said, yeah, you said green beans, that's uncooked, unroasted coffee beans, not green beans.
1: Oh, correct. Yeah, yeah you're not sorry. like getting a, uh, you are yeah. not getting a can of green beans. And,
0: <laughs> right? This no. makes really good coffee, actually. <laughs> no, no.
1: That's, that's uh, the secret green, unroasted coffee beans. <laughs> that's
0: that's the secret of Couchtown coffee is it comes from the valley of the jolly. <laughs> ho ho ho, right. green giant. Yeah. No, funny. No, but that's that's I would have never ever thought of that in a million years. I don't know why. Like to me it just seemed like coffee roasting's it's gotta be hard. It's gotta be it's gotta be like super difficult otherwise everyone would do it right you know and
1: actually it's not that's that's the surprising thing and i think that might be the reason for such a you know boom in recent years of uh local roasteries um turning up which is awesome for the industry because i think um you know getting people more access to um fresh coffee is starting to kind of open people's eyes to you know, this can be a tasty drink. It doesn't have to taste like um, ashes and and water. <laughs> you yes. know, it can Oh my it gosh. It can taste good. Literally so. everything I've
0: had since I've had Couchtown coffee just tastes like it's burnt.
1: and yep.
0: I, And I like dark coffee. I always have, but it just tastes like they just roasted it until it was dead. You know,
1: <laughs> it's. And that's kind of um, that's kind of how a lot of coffee roasteries did it for for so long. Um, I don't really know the reasoning why, um, for whatever reason, people used to equate dark roast with high quality when in fact, you're, you're essentially cooking out all of the flavors. Yes. <laughs> you know? So, um, a, a good dark roast that tastes good is actually probably by most people's standards, more of like a medium to medium dark, you know, it's, it's still got plenty of that flavor, but it's also got some of the, the interesting kind of roasty um roasty flavors at the end as well so Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i mean i remember the first time when you and i contacted each other and it was like what kind of coffee you like i was like i like it dark and then you roasted it for me i'm like i don't know if this is going to be dark enough or whatever and i went home and it was it was like the best coffee i'd ever had and even then you still (laughs) like roasted some even a little bit lighter than that and you're right it's 100 percent like the flavor of the coffee definitely comes through and i always thought to myself like like exactly like you said, darker the coffee, the better the coffee. And it's going to be, that's, that's, you know, like man's coffee or whatever cliche you want to throw down, you know, (laughs) I drink it straight and it's hotter than heck. And it's going to, my mouth is made of leather and you know, whatever, all that (laughs) nonsense. Then all of a sudden you start French pressing some good coffee, something that somebody has roasted that hasn't been pre-ground and sitting on a shelf for months on end. And it's like, I didn't realize it could taste this good. (laughs) Right. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's, I think the thing that encouraged me the most was um, like the people that would taste it and they would say, you know, going into it, they would be like, oh, you know, I don't really drink coffee, but they're a guest in my house. So I'm going to make them drink some coffee. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Like, yeah, I don't really drink coffee. So I just I'd give them, you know, like a small cup of it and um, have them try it. And I'd beg them to try it black first um, and they would try it and they'd be like, oh, that's actually really good. Like, um, one I remember was my sister who like always drinks it with, like, she likes a little bit of coffee with her cream, you know? Yep, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, she had it at my house and was like, Oh, that's, Oh, that tastes great. You know, I could drink this just completely black. No, no creamers, no oils, no nothing. Yeah. All right. That's what I'm talking about. So exactly. that was, that was kind of what started me down the path of, you know, maybe, um, starting my own business and, Um, taking it to a wider audience.
0: I think the crazy part about that is also this. So, like, I'm not trying to say, like, I've got so fancy with my coffee that blah, 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 blah. But, like, I started drinking Couchtown and I always used to, like, go to gas stations and it's like, do they have half and half? Because I'm going to load this baby down with half and half to dilute (laughs) the coffee and make it more palatable and it's always super acidic and all this other nonsense so it's like i'm just gonna load this thing down with half and half so i can drink it or whatever but then you start drinking i started drinking your coffee It was a lot better and then i thought to myself what if i throw some like half and half in this well this tastes you know different so you throw a little bit of half and half in there i feel like the flavors actually accent one another as opposed to using half and half to
1: cover up coffee you know oh absolutely absolutely and there's plenty of studies that have been done on this that um and I don't know people on the uh, listening to this are, are probably going to ruin my science but um <laughs> I think this is how it works there's something about the proteins in the milk that interact with the coffee and it actually like makes it taste sweeter so yeah you're absolutely right with with good coffee that can certainly be a a good combination
0: yeah, actually, I just googled it, and there's uh, a bunch of actual scientific pages saying there is um, uh, an effect to the bioavailability of chlorogenic acids. So I don't know. There is something Sweet. that will affect the way that it tastes when <laughs> they are put together.
1: So yeah, I call that a win. Yes. I almost nailed some science there.
0: There we go. We just scienced it up on a non-science <laughs> podcast. Oh, that and that's actually really cool because I mean I've heard about. Back in the day, uh, people used to do like uh, egg shells in their coffee or like uh, my grandma even used to do like what they called egg drop coffee where you'd like literally just crack yep. an egg and throw it right in right in the grounds and, and brew it that way. And yep. it does t- make it taste a lot smoother and better. And it was always weird because it was like a, a special occasion thing when my grandma made that because otherwise they're not going to waste an egg if you're not going to eat it, you know. Right. And right. uh, that's just the time they came from. But it's also cool to learn that some of these things actually have... Uh, an actual scientific purpose to them it's pretty wild
1: there's a lot of different ways to to prepare coffee and and a lot of them can turn out excellent but i think the key is to start with something that's going to taste good on its own right so um yeah yeah i don't know (laughs) i i i've tried you know a few different things with just the off the shelf stuff and a varying success but once i started roasting and i'm not saying like i'm a super good roaster like this is just the fact is like once you roast it and it's fresh um like if you roast it to the point where it's not just completely ash then and it's fresh it just tastes delicious if you like coffee
0: yeah i I mean, I I kind of want to try it myself, but at the same rate, I don't know if I've got the time to pick up a new hobby. Plus, like, the coolest part was I I actually got to see your roasting process. You've got an actual roasting machine that helps you roast stuff, and you started out like OG style. I mean, originally you I think you said you started <laughs> out in a in a fry pan, and then yep. and then you went to something on a grill. So you were you were really being engine uh, – using. Uh, ingenuity, you're ingenuitively there's the, <laughs> right. You're using a yes. lot of ingenuity to do this. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes. And it was a lot of fun, honestly. I enjoyed the process and that was kind of I think why I stuck with it. Was um you know, starting out it was just for me and my wife to drink coffee, you know, and um it was for us to drink good coffee. Yeah. And slowly I just started to try and like, okay, how can I increase my batch size so that I don't have to do this like every day? Yeah, (laughs) And, um, the grill was kind of the next logical step. Of course there's tons of, um, people out there that have built these homegrown roasters from their barbecues. And it's, there's a ton of awesome builds out there that are kind of fun to look at. Mine was pretty simple. I just had a, like a rotisserie unit that I attached a hand crank to and, um, yeah, I hand cranked the coffee out there on the, on the driveway for a few years, honestly, before I decided to buy a real coffee roaster.
0: Oh, that's crazy. I mean, from a hobby all the way to actually turning this into a small business and, and turning it into a, a small form of revenue for you is is wild. I, I commend you for taking the dive into this. And, and I mean, it seems like you're not too much unlike a lot of the other people I talk to where you've, you've got this cool hobby that you like, and then you just take it to the extreme. And, uh, man, I, I really got to say, I appreciate it. I appreciate, like, I don't think people realize how much coffee I drink. I'm not trying to say I like drink insane (laughs) amounts of it, but like I, when I was going to school and, and working and trying to pack everything into such a tight, time frame coffee was a necessity and and you came in clutch oh, sure. so nice
2: <laughs> uh, I, I gotta say
0: thanks i mean to anyone that's listened to this that's tried the coffee huge shout out because i know there are people actually buying the coffee from listening to this podcast and enjoying it and rebuying it too and uh it's
1: awesome yeah like that's the the community um that you have like the people that have bought the coffee um it's actually, it's actually been really cool um they've been great customers and I want to say thank you to to everybody that buys it honestly you know um, for me it is still kind of a hobby you know it's a it's a small business but um, the reason I enjoy it so much still is because people love it and um, I get enjoyment out of somebody telling me like hey I tried the coffee it was awesome and you know it's not so much about like the the money for me it's like um, you know people enjoy it and get something out of it so um that's fulfillment enough for me right now
0: yeah man i mean you opened up my eyes to a a whole new world of coffee because like i said it was it was gas station coffee and lots of creamer uh half and half was my preference but still i mean (laughs) sure and now i turn my nose up at it i'll drive past a gas station late at night and be like i'll just deal with being (laughs) tired you know
1: (laughs) my dad uh cursed me out the first few times I, I gave them coffee. Cause he's like, you've, you've ruined me. Now I have to, now I have to drink your, your good coffee. If I try to go back to the, the cheap stuff, I I get a gut ache. I'm like, "Oh, sorry, but that, that's true. Sorry. Not sorry.
0: Yeah, that's really true. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm, this isn't just like hooray. Andrew's coffee is the best coffee in the world. Like that is a hundred percent serious. Like if I, I told you like I'm in between your batches, I will buy literally actually the cheapest coffee I can find at the store. And it's almost like a punishment. Like, you you don't want to finish a whole French press anymore, you know? And with yours, I'm looking to make a second one when I'm done with
1: the first one. So... Well, I'll have to get you some emergency uh, bags of coffee out as soon as I can, then.
0: Uh, yes, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> Dude, this is actually a great one. We we ended up chugging out a whole hour here. I got to know you a lot better on the musical end of things, because, uh, like I said, you and I first interacted with each other um, as a you know small business to uh, uh, upstart small business, and we're just kind of farting around with a little bit of sponsorship, and it ter- actually turned out to be pretty cool. You're, you're from near my area. Uh, you've, you've have ties into the music scene dating back. I mean, with your dad, uh, date, it dates back, you know, years and years and years. So you've got uh, a really close tie to the local music scene and it's really cool to have somebody like you around that's willing to, uh, not only like sponsor something like this, but, you know, put out, put out some awesome coffee. Uh, you're still a musician. You're still recording with your dad. It's it's all really cool, man. I, it's neat how it all came full circle. This is almost like a, you know, a marriage made in heaven. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's been fun uh, for me too. Cause um, prior to you reaching out to me, I had no, like I had no thoughts about like um, you know, sponsorships or, or marketing or anything like that. I was just kind of, like you said, I was just kind of farting around. Um mm-hmm. uh, then you reached out and were like, you know, can I, can I sponsor or can you be a sponsor for the show? I'm like, huh, never thought of that. That would be cool. And yeah, it has been tons of fun. I enjoy it.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day. Um, cause like, like we said, you full-time job, coffee roaster on the side, family, man, you've, you've got a lot going on. You got a lot on your plate. And I just want to say thanks for, uh, doing everything you do. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Whoa. Uh, Andrew played drums with Dean Davis. That's neat. Uh, you know, I knew Andrew's dad played, uh, music, just based on the fact that Andrew gave me one of his dad's CDs once, and then I looked it up online. He's got multiple albums out. So check, check out Andrew. He's played in some of his dad's albums. Check that out. Otherwise, uh, heck of a drummer, heck of a good guy, heck of a coffee roaster. One of the finest in the land. Uh, if you guys like coffee, oh, who doesn't like coffee? Everybody drinks coffee every morning. Check it out, CouchtownCoffee.com. Easily one of my favorite coffee companies I've ever encountered, ever anywhere. And that's not hyperbole. That's not me being like, that's the greatest coffee ever. That's serious. It's uh, some of my favorite coffee. And uh, you know, it just so happens that it comes from one of the one of the nicest guys I've met in you know the recent past, uh, Andrew Chipman. Great guy. Uh, very talented. Plays music. Like I said, I didn't know that his musical endeavors went as far as they did. So it's really cool to hear that he not only, you know, roasts the coffee for us and plays some music, but he actually, he's played around quite a bit, you know, and maybe he hasn't played, you know, 50 shows a year or whatever, but it's still, it's still really cool to know that. He's played Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Heck, I've never done that. I don't, even, I don't know if I'll ever be able to do that, but you know, you gotta check it out. It's really cool. So uh, hopefully down in the description sections below, I will have some links to uh, some stuff that Andrew's played on, uh, probably his dad's albums. We'll put something down there. Otherwise, there will be Couchtown Coffee information down below, and uh, hey... He sponsored the podcast for like fifty some weeks. Hit him up, check it out. Couchtown Coffee is the bee's knees. It's some of the the best beans you'll be able to buy. So check it out. It's my favorite coffee. And uh, you know, next time you buy some coffee, give Andrew uh, a little wave from us. Tell him we sent you that way. And and you never know, maybe he'll give you a little discount. Uh, most most episodes he sponsors. There's a discount code. So if if you guys want to check it out, maybe tune into next week's episode and uh, look out for a discount code. Otherwise, you guys got to trust me, it's the best coffee I've ever had. And that's, like I said, that's not a joke, that's not a hyperbole, that's not me exaggerating at all. That's It's the best coffee I've ever had. And I've roast, you know, he roasts it, I make it at my house. It's that simple. You don't have to go to the fancy places and get all the super fancy stuff. So... I'm just I'm just saying. Hey, check it out if you want to. Uh, everybody drinks coffee, and it doesn't hurt to support local. So check it out, CouchtownCoffee.com. Otherwise, uh, check out the description section down below for more information. I hopefully will have some links to uh, Andrew's music music down there, uh, playing with his dad Tim. So check it out. Hey, I, I gotta say thanks once again to Corrosive Screen Printing, keeping us in stock with shirts. Our first order was was massive. We ordered so many shirts the first time. I was I was so nervous I wasn't going to be able to get rid of them all. And then, boom, they're all gone. Like before you know it, boom, they're all gone. So I've re-upped. I've got more sizes now. I've got everything from small to 4XL. So the people that were asking for larger sizes, I think I got you covered. So hit me up. I've got shirts for you, uh, a little bit of an upcharge for everything you know, above the XL size, but it'll be worth it. These shirts are awesome. They're super soft. They're classy looking. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I without it, it just looks so official with a shirt. And, uh, you know, I'm willing to ship them. So if you guys want, uh, contact us or, or any of, you know, audiblefarm at gmail.com or, or anything. Just hit us up. We'll find a way to get a shirt to you and uh, ship it to you. I will also do deliveries if it's within reason and uh, maybe on my way or something like that. So hit me up for a shirt. Uh, shout out to corrosive screen printing I got a link for them down below so check it out they've got a facebook uh, Facebook facebook.com it is at corrosive screen printing so you can go facebook.com slash corrosive screen printing you will find it right there like I said it's one of the preferred t-shirt makers of the local bands around not only Des Moines but outside of the Des Moines area I know lots of bands have gotten shirts from corrosive so it's definitely worth a look. High quality stuff. If you like the Audible Farm shirts, hit them up. That's where I got them. Love you, Corrosive. I really appreciate everything you did for us. Uh, <laughs> you're making us look really official here, and you're working within my time frame. That was the other thing was they're really easy to work with. Uh, it's I'm not always I don't always keep the gre- you know, greatest hours and things like that. And if I want to go pick the shirts up, I, oh well, can you meet me between these hours? Because that's the free time I'm gonna have while I'm you know I'm down. So. They've worked with me very much uh, in the last yeah, year or so, getting shirts and merch and things like that. So I really appreciate it. Check out Corrosive. Great company. Uh, Facebook.com slash Corrosive Screen Printing. There's a link down below. So check it out. And uh, I got to say thank, one, thanks once again to Andrew Chipman. Uh, thanks to everybody listening. Shout out to Corrosive. And that is this week's episode. Dude, it was good to sit down and talk with Andrew. I will see... No. I won't see any of you... You guys will hear me next week. that's that the right way to say it? I'll have another episode next week. We'll check you next week, everybody. Peace.